5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in, turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. What's that? Zepp, right? Not Greta Van Fleet. No, no, I, I, I couldn't tell that Greta Van Fleet sounds like Zeppelin. So. Oh, okay. okay. I, I never heard them referred to as Zepp before. So it's like, is there oh, yeah? a new artist I don't know about? Zepp? Zeppelin, yeah. Zepp? Led Zeppelin. An artist called Zepp sounds like he can spit some bars. Who? I don't know. Some guy named Zepp. Oh, Zepp. I don't know what that is. MC Zepp? MC Zepp could probably spit for sure. I'm not hearing you real well. I'm hearing the music. I'm not hearing you real well. I'm loud and clear on this end. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, well. It's the way it goes around here. The Things way it goes. Fixed, and then we take so- two steps backwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's been Byram over across the way, ladies and gentlemen. Say hello to him. Hey, man. There you go. Uh, intern Courtney's also here. I like inter- Intern Courtney's can-do spirit. She's a lot of fun. She's funny. She is. Uh, she's one of those people that's hilarious without knowing that they're hilarious. Would you agree with that statement, intern Courtney? Yes, she would. I was walking by one of the editing bays here today, and intern Courtney was preparing some audio for not only today but for the weekend. And there was a part where there was a murmur, and then the audio spiked up with somebody speaking to him. And intern Courtney jumped about a foot out of her seat. She was so scared of, but she was listening so intently. It was very funny. Uh, hey, it's great to have you with us. We can't dilly-dally. we got to get to uh, Joe Giglio, uh, scheduled for the bottom of the hour. We'll be talking to uh, him from 99.9 The Fan and WRELsportsfan.com. We'll talk some college football with him. Uh, they're expecting forty to 45000 uh, right now for the ECU game against South Carolina. Tickets have been sold. we got our pirate report uh, coming your way with Coach Houston. Some comments from him. Uh, I think we can save that for the uh, second segment. I think that'll be good for there. Uh, Panthers are holding a lot of their media this afternoon. Uh, Sam Darnold has spoke, really hasn't said a whole lot, especially in the way of any sort of of bulletin board material. Uh, And then CMC is also kind of keeping it low-key and, uh, you know, media training uh, players speak. So nothing really big going on there. Uh, Let's see, what else do we have? Uh, Ben, that game's a 1 o'clock game. What's the line on that right now? Panthers have to be favored, I'd imagine, right? The last I saw, it was pretty close, like maybe a touchdown or a field okay. goal. I'll check it out. I, here. Check that out really quick and let me know. Uh, I thought it actually would be a little uh, closer than that. I mean, you say it's close and it's a touchdown spread. I thought it may, might be a three-point type of thing or, or three-and-a-half or, or something like that, but it's it's not the case uh, if it is a touchdown, I suppose. So let me know what that is, but that's uh, 1 o'clock on uh, Talk 103.7 WTIB. Panthers are five point favorites right now, and it opened around six or seven. You said, yeah, probably it was okay. around. It was a yeah. touchdown. So that's bit. yeah. I think that's going to wind up. That wouldn't surprise me if that's four or less by the time we get to Sunday. And I, and I think it's that kind of game because I don't think this is going to be a. 
I think in some ways the Panthers will not be quite as good as they were at most. I mean, or as competitive as they were last year. I don't know. Maybe so. I think they'll be better. Do you really? So. I think the offense definitely got better. I see Sam Darnold as an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. In my, that's my personal opinion, at least. Well, probably. You know, I found it interesting today. I don't know if you uh, tuned in and caught him the Adam Gold show, but Steve Logan was on there. Oh, okay. And you forget how really good Logan is on the air if you haven't heard him in a while. But he was talking about uh, Mac Jones and – you know, how that is an upgrade despite the fact he's a rookie from, from Cam Newton, and I'd agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he talked about the kid uh, there in uh, out of BYU that's there in New York now. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. And he kind of put him he, – he likened his journey to Derek Carr. Derek Carr had big numbers at Fresno that they played like USC at a bowl game or in an end-of-the-year game, and he didn't play well against uh, – Blake Wilson with Coastal Carolina. Well, and, and that's exactly what they were talking about. Yep. Wilson, the only decent team, because BYU had a stinky schedule. Yeah, last year. part of that probably had to do with their conference. What are they in the Mountain West? Well, the, no, they're in the independent. So they're, they're having independent. to schedule, yeah, oh, having okay, to schedule yeah. whoever they could schedule. <laughs> and I'm sure they had, I don't remember, but it seems like I'm sure BYU had some games canceled. I think they did because BYU somehow cobbled together like a 10 game or, or 12 game, whatever it was, schedule. And because remember that coastal game they did. They yeah, played that. They were a fill in. They were that a was fill-in a fill. Somebody was yeah. filling in for somebody, and they decided to like it was the Liberty, week. Liberty, I believe. Maybe right. and like the week of, they decided to play each other. So maybe you give Wilson a little bit of a pass on that because you know obviously he didn't. There wasn't like there was a the normal prep time like you would have for an opponent. Yeah. Plus BYU had to come all the way across the country, and then he talked a little bit about Trevor Lawrence. I will say this: Logan does not seem high on Trevor Lawrence. I'm not either. <sighs> yeah, there there could be some trouble. Offensive he, line not looking really good. No, it's not. But he's athletic enough, and obviously. But uh, Logan said there will be more bumps along the road with Trevor Lawrence than there will be with. Uh, I don't trust his Mac boneheaded Jones. coach either. Urban well, Meyer. that's true. Yeah. That's true too. I, I'm anxious to see how that works at Jacksonville. How quickly that goes uh, sideways. I'll save you a lot of time. It's not going to work out. You don't think so? Nope. It's going to plummet almost what, immediately. At what point does Urban blame uh, headaches or blame uh, uh, heart condition or whatever on his exit? I don't know that, but I can tell you he's going to leave within a year or two, and then there's going to be some kind of scandal left behind, just like he's been in the just, pros. Oh, yeah, I think so in the pros too. Yeah, we see scandals in the pros all the time. They cover that up really quick though, because there's so much money. <laughs> uh, so after that, ringing, don't worry about wrestling down there. If if uh, yeah, if, if so much for that ringing endorsement of the NFL. But you can check out uh, the Panthers and the uh, Jets. McMixon's final year behind the mic on the Panthers Radio Network Sunday at one. You can pick up the game on Talk 103.7 WTIB. All right, uh, our game day coverage is set for 9 a.m. We had a big meeting. Oh, we've got a – I can't give you all the details today because I want to have everything organized. I'm big on organization, as you know, Ben, especially when it comes to our pregame. I take it very seriously. For sure, yep. And I really want to have – we have a huge announcement tomorrow regarding the pregame show. So we'll make that for you tomorrow. This is news to me. I can't wait to hear it. You came in on some of the meetings today because I thought you were going to have to get drawn in on the early stuff, but you—I you... felt like you kind of shooed me away. So I was like, "I'll just, you know." I was I trying don't... to do you a yeah, favor. Let me know my place. Here. I was just... trying to do you a favor. Now, intern Courtney, I did no favors for intern Courtney. <laughs> intern Courtney's either—I I don't know what kind of, you know, if she's a night owl. If she's a night owl, she might have to pull the all-nighter to be there when we need her there on Saturday morning. So. She's got a NASCAR shirt on, so she deserves it. Does she really? She be ashamed. What is this NASCAR shirt you have on? I don't know a Roberts. I can't see that. Me neither. It might not be a NASCAR shirt. It, it might not. be a rapper or something. It could-
What? How did you determine Roberts is a NASCAR shirt, Ben? Well, it's got 95, and it's got a NASCAR up there, but I don't see any sponsors. I think it's a wrapper. Where did you get the shirt? I think Eastern it's Juice World. Pack Sun, yeah. That ain't what is that? What that's is that? That's like um, fake stuff. Fake stuff. I didn't hear. It. No, I don't think it, it's like it's like the cool. Store. Is that a clothing store? A store? That's like the store for, you go to. You want to be cool, but for men really and women cool. or just women, Courtney? <laughs> <laughs> for men and women or just women? It's for both. Yeah, it's uh, like the trendy hipster types. You don't go there. Uh, I got some shoes from there once, and I ruined them almost immediately. Ben is not a packed sun guy. No, not no, a fan. Yeah. No. What do you have on today? Like a hand-me-down a hurricane Carolina shirt? Hurricanes shirt. I think this might you change been... oil in that. My gosh! Oh yeah, all the time. And then <laughs> I got this these pair of shorts here. I think there's a rip in the back here. I feel a little air. I feel a little wind back there. So yeah. Uh, Always anonymous text line. Hey, buddy, I'm listening. Well, thank you. We appreciate it very much. Always anonymous text line. Hey, finally uh, some good stuff out of the anonymous. No, there's text always line. some yeah. positive stuff. Uh, but, but there was some. Uh, Pre-show always anonymous text line stuff going on this NIL stuff and how ridiculous it is with with certain players in, in the NIL. I'll tell you what, that. the anonymous text line worked its way to uh, to me when I hosted the show Monday. Did it really? Yeah. CJ the Pirate hit me well, up. Well, then I, you just blew up the <laughs> uh, the anonymous part of the always well, anonymous text line. something I didn't like, so I'm going to blow them up. We are always making this a the, – the always anonymous text line is a friendly place where you can give an opinion. And we won't blow your spot up. Now, unlike Ben, who just blew up. By the way, I'm a little bit of a loose cannon. So, well, no. Speaking of loose cannon, CJ the Pirate on Twitter. He's a lot of fun. Oh gosh, he's he's. I think we agree with a lot of things. So nine o'clock Saturday, ninety four three. The game, our Pirate Game Day countdown for Bush Light. Uh, we're gonna have uh, a really uh, exciting location, an exciting look this year. It'll be the twentieth meeting all time between the Pirates. And the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks, cocky with the nine-game advantage in the all-time series, 14-5. to The Pirates have not beaten South Carolina since uh, 1999 when they uh, won 21-3 in that one. It has been uh, kind of blowout city in these games with the exception of the last meeting ever since. Of course, a lot of that encompasses the Spurrier area, era where they were uh, fairly competitive there. But that was probably the high water mark. Boy, you look at everything going on at uh, the Gamecocks program now. I, I'm still not convinced that they're going to have their what they consider their first string quarterback back and healthy. He might be, but I I, I don't get that's going to be the case. I think they, it's going to be Zeb Nolan. I think it will be, and I think it's interesting that they're going to have uh, this kid back, the running back, who led the SEC in rushing. That is where the problem could be if ECU does not shore up its defense. So. Uh, our guy, Philip the Ref Pilkington, is going to be at uh, the post-practice presser. He'll have some uh, social media ones, uh, you know, a little information there for you uh, on uh, 94.3 The Game's Twitter account, so check that out. And uh, we'll have a comprehensive report of that. We'll bring you some of that audio tomorrow as we uh, can and uh, also on our other uh, platforms uh, as well. Uh, there was a big story today, and I, we do have time to get to it, so I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version. But uh, this kind of popped out today. Let me find it here. Uh, it was uh, in regards to something we mentioned very briefly yesterday, which was uh, the Big 12 expansion. Uh, yes, I did see this. Uh, the Worldwide Leader reporting that the Big 12 is ready to expand in response to Texas and Oklahoma heading off to the SEC. 
possibly not until 2025, the article reads. The Big 12 appears to be poised to respond by adding four teams. The expectation is that the league will add three members from the American Athletic Conference, Cincinnati, Houston, and University of Central Florida, plus BYU, Brigham Young University, for those that do not know what that stands for. Uh, so we knew this, but out of the, the, the crux of the story is there's going to be a vote apparently Thursday with formal invitations coming either Thursday night, but likely Friday. There was scuttlebutt on the worldwide leader that in the uh, BYU Arizona game, that uh, that invitation was going to be coming on Monday. Well, all they did Monday was kind of meet, have a, uh, I guess a listening session or quite a Q&A session. And then they moved on. Um, according to AAC bylaws, and that's what governs Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, they have to give a 27-month notice before they leave. They'll also have to pay a $10 million per school buyout fee. So no chance of really joining in 2023. A higher buyout if an early exit is required is, is a possibility. So, Ben, that's something to keep an eye on in the latter part of the week, something I'm sure we'll talk about on the pregame if it comes to fruition on Saturday morning. And the latest I've seen from ESPN, all four of those teams are planning on submitting applications next week. So, Okay, so that pushes back on this story from earlier this morning. Then. Yep. So this process is... Yep. The latest story is that they're going to be doing that next week. So... Before they now, will they extend an invitation and then they submit the application, or they have to submit the application? I think the invitation's already been extended, hasn't it? I don't think formally. Okay, I think that's what the article I was reading from. Was probably why they're waiting till next week. <laughs> well, if if they are going to be probably their extended invitation and then they submit the formal application, if you will, so that that would make sense based on the timeline I was just running through there that it could be. A formal invite comes Thursday night or Friday, and then next week would come the paperwork. Houston better hurry up because I think this can be a mistake for them. <sighs> I don't like them in football. I don't get the, all the hype. Well, here's what I would say the hype comes from for the Cougars. They have talent in the program. Yeah. They're always going to have talent in the program because you could take a short-tailed cat stand on any block and swing it around and you'll hit football talent in Texas. Especially in Houston. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and in Florida. Yeah. So they're always going to have those programs, which is the USF thing is so puzzling, but they are going to always have talent in both of those uh, programs. So that's where I would – now, doesn't mean that the coach is going to know what he's doing. Doesn't mean that the culture is going to be healthy. Doesn't mean that the talent's going to work out. But you will have athletes in that program. You're just going to. And now with Texas out of the Big 12 going to the SEC, I think that makes Houston maybe a little more of a uh, an interesting, you know, landing spot. Because yeah, fair enough, yeah. As if you're a recruit. It probably already was a pretty good spot to land in. But you got, of course, a lot of people are recruiting Texas, but you got to look. If you're a kid in Texas, you want – University of Texas to probably it's probably on whether you're a fan or not it's on your dream list to play football. There. Oh yeah, I would think A and M to a degree because they they probably right now are maybe the slightly better. Well, they probably are the better. I think they're right the now. best school yeah. in the state right now. I agree with that. <laughs> uh, Texas Tech has had their moments, 
And, they beat Houston. And if you, well, they did. But if you are, and they came back to beat them too. If you're a kid, though, from, you know, wherever, would you rather go to Houston, the fifth largest city in the United States, or Lubbock, which is in the middle of nowhere? So I guess it kind of comes down to that. See, I think this benefits Houston. I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I think this could hurt Texas Tech a little bit. I got you. Because Houston, the city, would be a little more... It's a uh, more appealing. Probably a more appealing destination for the modern-day athlete... I got you. ...than Lubbock, Texas would. So I'm surprised A&M or uh, Tech is letting this happen. Uh, and of course, you got Oklahoma in there. They'll be recruiting the state, and they always do heavily as well. So it's it, Oklahoma State as well. So it's, it's, a very, it's a very interesting thing. I mean, Houston's going to have to recruit. Uh, the UCF thing is, is interesting. There's a big battle going on there because... USF is trying to get UCF to to bring them along. No, <laughs> nobody wants USF. Well, to stay. They won't because back in the Big East days, USF did everything they could. It, this was fairly public. Yeah. To prevent UCF from getting extended a Big East invitation. So the people at, at UCF, particularly old Green Teeth George O'Leary, remembers that. And he was on Orlando radio talking about that uh, last night, in fact. Ah. He was on Orlando Sports Radio, if there's such a thing, talking about that, since they don't have my guy Inez Says down there anymore on the daily. Huh. Um, let me see. He's, he's now in the podcast business. Um, let me see here. Diving uh, business. And then who was the other one? Houston, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yep. That's good. Look, I think Cincinnati's a big upgrade for that conference, to be quite honest with you. I think Cincinnati's got a chance to be really, really good in that conference. I mean, that's another situation where it's not quite like Houston, but it can be appealing to recruits or students or wherever the case well, look, may be. In Ohio, Got a market. In Ohio, there's Ohio State. If you don't go to Ohio State, Cincinnati now is a, a very appealing situation. Uh, the BYU thing's a little puzzling, but, you know, that's the footprint, and BYU brings that national brand, I guess. Hopefully it's football only. Yeah, that, that'll be interesting. I don't think it will be. I think that's, that's not going to be the case. All right, um, let's grab a break. We will come back. I know, Ben, I know, I rambled on. Uh, we will have uh, our pirate report with Mike Houston comments ahead of this game against South Carolina when we return here on this uh, midweek edition. It's already been the longest week ever for me. Two days I've been working. Worn out. Uh, we'll be back after this. Patrick Johnson Show rolls on on this Wednesday. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right. Oh, oh, we're back. All right. Welcome back. We'll back and forth there behind the scene stuff. I won't bore you with the details. But uh, anyway, today's Pirate Report is uh, brought to you by Greenville Marine Outdoor Shop, your one-stop destination for hunting, fishing, and boating supplies. Also by Bill Clark Homes. They just made that huge contribution to Pirate Nation, purchasing the entire upper deck for this weekend's game to honor first responders and our military. Bill Clark Homes personifies pirates supporting pirates. Also, Comfort Master and Comfort Air of New Bern. Call Comfort Master for all your heating and AC needs. Lewis Farley and Robin Bowen, two great pirates. And by 
Texas Roadhouse of Greenville just named the number one Texas Roadhouse in the entire nation. Delicious and legendary food, also fantastic service. They bring you today's Pirate Report. All right, Mike Houston with uh, his thoughts on the South Cackalack Gamecocks. Yeah, I, I thought that did a good job mixing up, you know, playing coverage and pressure. Uh, you know, South Carolina, Clayton White, uh, the defense coordinator at South Carolina, did a great job at Western Kentucky, uh, and he's got a great scheme. So I, I do expect to see a good bit of pressure this week. All right, uh, this is Sean Bailey, uh, Houston Coach Houston, talking about the Sean Bailey injury. Cut one. Well, unfortunately, Bailey's going to miss the rest of the year, and it's you know, I, I hate it. And it's it was a it was a freak deal too. I mean, it was one of those. It, it wasn't a contact play. You know, he got just twisted a little bit, um, but he'll have surgery here in the coming weeks. And uh, you know, the good thing with Bailey, he's worked so hard to develop his body. Uh, you know, he'll he'll make a he'll make a good recovery, and uh, you know, we want to support him uh, through that. But uh, you know, he's still got some time left in his career here, so. Uh, just have to get him back uh, back healthy for next year. I, I said Sean Bailey there, but I think it was Bailey Malovic that he was talking about there, not Sean Bailey. Sean Bailey, by the way, uh, his father, 911, uh, 9-11 first responder. So uh, Saturday will be very emotional for him, as you can imagine. All right, uh, this is Coach Houston talking about uh, the uh, s- plays mix-up snapper and holder. I don't, I don't quite understand what the lead-in is. So let's listen, and we'll all learn together what's going on here. Cut three. Well, I think we only had one issue it was on, the, on the first one, and uh, it was a mix-up between the snapper and the holder. Just, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that uh, can happen there in a first game, and, and we got that corrected immediately. So uh, I thought we did a good job the rest of the night. And uh, Mike Houston talking about preseason speed versus game speed. Well, I mean, I think it depends on where you're talking, uh, you know, whether it's offense, defense, or wherever. You know, the, the thing that defensively that, uh, you know, is, is very fixable is I just thought the speed of their offensive front and the way they executed um, created some situations where we had some guys miss some gaps. You know, we're moving, they're moving. Uh, you know, they move a heck of a lot faster than uh, our scout team guys did during practice. Uh, and we overshot a, a gap every once in a while. And when, you, when that happens, you're going to have a big play. And so that's where some of those, you know, 10, 15-yard runs uh, squirted out on us. So uh, it's something we've, we've very conscientious of. We talked about it on Friday, game speed versus preseason speed. Uh, and so I think it's a great experience for our, for our guys. You know, those D linemen, they got some experience last year, okay? Um, but it's just another reminder, you know, for them just the, how fast game speed is. Uh, I think when you look at offensively, it was just – execution and it's and you look at the frustrating thing it wasn't one guy you know but it was maybe six or seven guys one time uh and you put all that together and you look up and 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 it looks like you had more issues than you had but uh, i do feel like those issues are fixable and uh and i think you know most teams um you know have some mistakes there in game one and you, you see them fixed you know from week one to week two that's where you see the improvement uh, that was one of the things I thought that was most impressive about uh, App State's performance is I didn't think they had many 
many mistakes. I mean, I thought they played like a veteran, uh, you know, a veteran roster. All right, uh, this is uh, Coach Houston. They only got Jai Hatfield only, or Josiah Hatfield only had the uh, one catch the other night. And Ben, we heard a lot in the preseason that they were going to try. I mean, he was one of the names bandied about as a, maybe a way to fill in for Blake Prohl, possibly. And they just never, you know. It feels you, like we hear that every year, though. It does. Hatfield. But, I mean, you go back and you watch the game. He had no time to get the ball to receivers as it was. Uh, for, you know, no, I don't think the offensive line played very well, but I also think he held onto the ball a little too long at times. Not only that, when he finally did have a clean pocket, I felt like there was a lot of times where receivers just weren't getting open. Well, that's true. It was I was going to say. Perfect storm of all those. Didn't help that some of the receivers weren't getting open. Anyway, this is uh, Coach Houston on Josiah Hatfield. Yeah, and then he, and he drew the pass interference on the other on the other ball too. So it's really good. You know, he's he's a guy that you know I've I've said a couple of times we were recruiting him very heavily at James Madison when I was there. Um, you know, glad we were able to get him signed when I got here. Uh, but uh, you know, has a lot of ability. Uh, has worked very very hard, um, and so I'm just excited to see. You know, he had had a good solid game last week. You know, would like to see him follow it up this week. All right, uh, Coach Houston on other offensive players. Um, I think some good and some bad. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Ryan had the touchdown catch there late in the game. Um, Shane was battling a minor injury uh, from the preseason camp, and so, you know, probably did not play as much as he will moving forward. Uh, You know, but those two guys, along with, you know, Zach Bird and Aaron Jarman, they all played. Uh, I thought that uh, we did some really good things in the run game. I thought Zach Bird did a good job at the point of attack. Uh, you know, they're all different. And so, uh, you know, they're going to be a big part of our offense. Uh, you know, they were last week. They will be moving forward. All right. Uh, probably don't have time for both these cuts, but let's give them the one. Coach Houston talking about being excited for the uh, crowd again. We're, we're understanding at least 40,000 tickets have been sold. Expecting a crowd of uh, maybe as much right now as 45,000. That could grow, of course. This is uh, Coach Houston talking about that home opening crowd expected for Saturday. I think it'll mean a lot. You know, it's probably going to be the biggest crowd since I've been here. Um, you know, the funny thing is we, we got in last week and started talking to our, our players, and most of them, that was the biggest crowd they'd ever played in front of last week, you know, because most of them last year was their first year of college football. So um, I think they're excited about it. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll obviously be electric. Uh, it's it's one of the reasons that so many of them came here to East Carolina is because of you know Pirate Nation and Daddy Ficklin Stadium the way it is on game day. So uh, I think it's something that uh, you know should be a great home field advantage and something for them to feed off of. Great job there, intern Courtney, on the on the audio beat today. I like it. All right, uh, Ben Byram now with an update. Joe Giglio on the other side, and uh, then we will uh, have more for you here as we continue to roll on. Been with an update going on. A lot of football-heavy information here for you, so stay tuned for that with B-Baby Byram. Thanks, Patrick. Mike Houston met with the media yesterday and made it pretty clear that they're looking ahead towards South Carolina. Here was Coach's thoughts on the Gamecocks this weekend. Yeah, I I thought App did a good job mixing up, you know, playing coverage and pressure. Uh, You know, South Carolina, Clayton White, uh, the defense coordinator at South Carolina, did a great job in Western Kentucky, uh, and he's got a great scheme. So I I do expect to see a good bit of pressure this week. We'll bring you live pregame coverage of that game between the Pirates and the Gamecocks three hours before kickoff at 9 this Saturday for our Bushlight Pirate Game Day Countdown. 
Patrick Johnson, and ECU legend Terrence Copper. From college football, BYU, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati will all submit applications to join the Big 12 next week. And UConn officials claim that head coach Randy Etzel resigning as head coach will be effective immediately, and that defensive coordinator Luce Spanos will be the interim head coach. Wrapping up from the NFL, we start from the Carolina Panthers as they release their first injury report for this Sunday's home opener against the Jets. The only player listed on its rookie re- was rookie receiver Shai Smith, who's expected to be out two to three weeks with a shoulder issue. Meanwhile, Vikings right tackle Brian O'Neill signs a five-year extension with Minnesota worth $92.5 million, making him the second-highest-paid right tackle in the league. The Baltimore Ravens have signed three-time Pro Bowler Le'Veon Bell to their practice squad. The Saints release running back Latavius Murray. And Broncos Pro Bowl defensive end Bradley Chubb has been detained due to an outstanding warrant for multiple traffic violations. That's going to do it for your 94th through the game sports update. I'm Ben Byram. Miss a moment. Remember, there will be a test. You can log on to the brand new 943thegame.com for the podcast of the PJ Show. Plus, what's going on with sports in Pitt County and around the globe. And the latest on the ECU Pirates. Log on today. The brand new 943thegame.com. You are dismissed. Always enjoy getting a chance to catch up with Joe Giglio. 99.9 The Fan, WRELsportsfan.com. Of course, many years with the News and Observer. Joe. His show goes on during the time our show goes on. So we talked to him a little bit earlier today, and uh, lots of college football talk here. I asked Joe, because, you know, after week one, he was kind of salty. Why so salty on Twitter, Joe, after week one of college football? I think about the offseason, right? And we spend a lot of time making guesses. Most of them are educated guesses, but they're still guesses. But then when they're wrong, man... It, it hurts. Then you have to evaluate your process and how you got to those educated guesses. And then you have to figure out, did I do something that could be avoidable? Is that a me problem or is that the uh, the team problem that, that quote-unquote let you down? Well, who um, let you down the so, most then? Who let you down in your mind from your preseason prognostication, the, the, the Tar Heels? Yeah, it has to be. I, I thought they were going to be – I thought they could get get out of the gate kind of like they did in 97, kind of like State did in 02. Uh, what was ECU's best year with Carden where they were climbing? Yeah, they had that 10-year – they had that 10-win, 11-win year. Yeah, I know what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, like those years, as you know, Patrick, they just don't come along that often. Um, Duke in 13 would be another one where you really put yourself in a position where all of your stars align. And that always leads me back to one of my new favorite corollaries, which is sometimes it's your year and you don't even know it. Yeah. Uh, North Carolina, maybe North Carolina's year was last year and they just didn't even realize it and went eight and four. By the way, it was, um, it was NCAA 13. It was 13. The last year, the pirates were in uh conference USA and ECU yeah. went 10-3, and three, won the Beefo Brady's Bowl over Ohio. And I was thinking at the time, Joe, Beefo Brady Bowl. But, <laughs> by God, that's that's the high water mark at this point. Yeah, well, that's because of the conference right. um, affiliation. That that was the team that, you know, just murdered North Carolina. Um, and then Ruffin McNeil took it easy on Dave Dorn in Raleigh that November. But that, 
for ECU fans, that November game in Raleigh, they really took over Carter Finley Stadium. I mean, that was a true. No, those were the um, salad days. Those were the salad days. Yeah, yeah, that was that was big time. But that's what I'm saying. Like that's 13 already, Patrick, and and they just don't come around that often. And and I thought North Carolina could have had one of those years based on the way that their schedule is set up, and also based on. You know, I have a lot of faith in Sam Howell, and, and I still do have faith in Mac Brown. I mean, only one loss. I, I, I think he knows how to build a winner. Um, but I, I just – the second half of that game, the defense gave them a chance to win. And that's when you're Sam Howell and you have all this hype in the offseason that, that you generated based on your play. Like, his first two years were outstanding. Yeah. And he, that's where he's got to make the growth from – you know what? I don't have my fastball today, but I still have to figure out a way to win. Well, let me ask and you this. Do, 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 I, I it, that was the disappointment. Is that performance only aided uh, as far as people's bad feelings about it? Is there some stoking of those embers a little more uh, when Mac Brown makes the ridiculous scrimmage comment afterwards? Yeah, and Mac really is the master of communication, and I think I'm going to chalk that one up to frustration, um, and we're all human. But you know, at 70 years old, too, you, you kind of have to wonder, how many chances am I going to get like this? Um, you know, they, they had a really good year last year, but Mac Brown was honest the whole time in saying it could have been more because of those Virginia and Florida State losses. And that's kind of what I'm getting at with this whole, sometimes it's your year and you don't even know it. Like 2017, NC State had Clemson at home. Clemson is the juggernaut, but that was the year with Kelly Bryant. And you're looking at it and you're going, you know what? Probably should have beat him that year. Yeah. And that's and they're ACC champions, right? And we're not talking about 1979. And, and that's what we have here in the triangle. We have this really long conference drought, um, conference title drought. One of the greatest tricks Steve Spurrier ever pulled was convincing people that he won the ACC championship in 1989 when, in fact, he lost to the team that he had the same record as. So I'll never quite understand that one, Patrick. But it just mm-hmm. kind of illustrates the, 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 the point here that seasons like that just don't come around all that often in, in the triangle for the ACC football teams. And... Um, you know, I, I'm not disappointed. I am more so like, how did my process then become? How did I get it wrong? How yeah. did I not see it? Right. And then that's really truly where my my thought process goes. All right. So I'll admit I did not watch very much of the NC State game because I was busy. Uh, quite frankly, uh, in a little bit of disappointment because not so much ECU got beat by Appalachian State, who I think is a very good team, but. Just to me, the Pirates looked like they were making some of the same mistakes that they had made previously uh, in, in years that have not been so uh, beefy, let's just say. Pardon the beefo Brady's yeah. uh, bull pun there. But uh, what would you think of the pack against South Florida, who uh, right now uh, isn't that great of a program? Yeah, and I, as ECU fans know, South Florida got pounded last year by the Pirates. They're not a great program right now. They still have some talent, but, man, that's a long rebuild. But I've seen plenty of times where NC State has played with their food. 
against a bad team. And that was not the case on Thursday. They they really pounded them. It was a very simple, you know, let's run the zone stretch, run the football, let's make them stop it. And then defensively, they had some gaps. Uh, there were some plays that South Florida couldn't take advantage of. But I think in general, they played with a great speed and efficiency on defense. Um, and they, it's crazy. They're a team that has 20 of the 22 starters back, but uh, added some transfers that, quite frankly, made an impression. Uh, Cyrus Fagan is a safety from Florida State who came in and added some top, added some life to that secondary, which has been a weak spot for NC State. And uh, Corey Durden uh, was on the nose there in the 3 3 stack and is another Florida State transfer. So they, they had some new parts, just enough new parts to kind of notice them. But also, I thought defensively, that was probably a, a, as good of a start as Dave Doran could have asked for. All right. Um, I just want to go ahead and get into the NC State, Mississippi State thing. Uh, how do you see that kind of coming out as uh, you look at this uh, matchup on, uh, on Saturday night? Now, look, Skip Holtz, because all things are kind of circling back to the Pirates in this, but, you know, the. Louisiana Tech had them beat, and, yeah. and and the and the coaching obituary in Starkville was already being written for the Pirate there, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. now you know the winning heals everything. You know, so I mean that's a tough game for them for Mississippi State, Louisiana Tech at home. They got the pack. They got to go to Memphis the following week, and then LSU. So, uh, and then the the SEC juggernaut that is what they have after that. I think. Alabama's in there, A and M, but you know that's a pretty tough little stretch uh, to start the season for Mississippi State. In a way, they really need this win uh, against NC State, and NC State definitely needs this win, in my opinion. Yeah. So I have, I have two thoughts, and that is, I it sounds slightly strange, but I'd rather be Mississippi State coming off of a poor performance rather than NC State coming off of a near-flawless performance. And I, I have there's a tendency for people to tell you how great you are after a win and tell you how terrible you are after either a loss or the type of win that Mississippi State had last weekend. Um, it'll be interesting to see at night in Starkville, the Cowbells will be out, their fans will be engaged. We saw this week across college football, really, but notably in those tradition-rich areas, Wisconsin, Florida State, Virginia Tech, where I thought the home crowd really propelled oh, yeah. uh, the team. And, and I think that's that's going to be key for Mississippi State. But for NC State, Patrick, this reminds me, and, and NC State fans really don't want to hear this, but they understand that I am the person who explains such things to them. <laughs> This reminds me of <laughs> we all have our roles yeah, in life. Play. I understand. This reminds me of the trip to Greenville in 2016 mm. where you say, look, NC State, you should win this game. You're, you're playing an ECU program that's in transition. You know, you, you have a, a better roster. You should win the game. This reminds me of the season opener against South Carolina in 2017, where they played South Carolina in Charlotte, and, and Will Muschamp was tripping over his own shoes, and um, that they were a terrible offensive team. NC State had, I believe, 400 more yards of offense than South Carolina. 
they end up losing the game because Debo Samuel went just full on Debo mode and, and beat them in a game that NC State should have won. Then we can go to 2019 when NC State goes to West Virginia. Perhaps maybe this is the best, most analogous example. They go to West Virginia. West Virginia is in a downturn coming off of a down year and a second year coach. And you're going, West Virginia is not that good. You get to Morgantown, a bunch of their fans are like, yeah, man, we're, we're, we're expect, we expect to lose to NC State. We're not going to win this game. And lo and behold, what happened? NC State ends up losing to West Virginia in a game, quite frankly, they did not perform at all in the second half. Yeah. So what I'm getting at, and then you could even throw in the Kentucky um, Bowl game last year where NC State played an SEC team. Heck, Patrick, you could throw in the, uh, if you want to go back before Dave Doran, the, the 2012 opener against Tennessee in Atlanta where NC State lost to a terrible Derek Dooley team yeah. in Atlanta. These are all, I, I don't bring these up to rub it into NC State fans. I'm bringing this up as a way of pointing out in this situation before where you would have assigned NC State as the better team and in a situation where you thought this is a game not only they could win but should win, they have not. So it is my feeling that while professionally it would be better for someone who has started an NC State podcast for NC State to succeed, <laughs> history is suggesting to me that this is a spot that NC State has failed in. And while I'd like to see that change, like I said, getting back to point number one, yeah. I'd rather be coming off of a crappy performance right. and get the coach gets my attention rather than this nearly flawless uh, performance that NC State had. That's not to say that NC State can't win the game. Um, I think there are a lot of good things that NC State has going on right now. This is this is one of those swing games on their schedule as well, Patrick, where if you really want to get 10 wins for only the second time in program history, uh, this is one you probably have to have in that win column. Joe Gilio at Gilio underscore OG on Twitter, uh, 99.9 The Fan, also WRELsportsfan.com. Uh, some quick hit stuff here before we uh, we go. Uh, Duke, obviously, losing to Charlotte, a, a, I mean, crazy as it sounds, but uh, I, it, it seems to me that day, uh, that uh, uh, Coach uh, Cut's time in Durham, those days may be numbered for David Cutcliffe. Um, he yeah, he, he in other words, I don't think he's going to get an extension, which might force him to go ahead and resign or retire after this year. I think if anyone has had a conversation with David Cutcliffe or if you're interacting with him in a media setting, you're rooting for David Cutcliffe. Uh, he is that kind of, you know, he has a fatherly type, um, elderly, smarter, wiser, you know, like where you're like, you know what, this guy knows what he's doing. And obviously his work with the Manning brothers speaks for itself. Um, and you wish that we would all be able to punch our own ticket and write our own ending. But that's not how life works. Um, Duke's not in a position where it can afford to lose to Charlotte, even on the road. I mean, they, they absolutely obliterated Charlotte last year. Um, with, believe it or not, a quarterback who's not that good. I know you don't believe that after yeah. Chase Price's performance against the Pirates. Um, so, but I, and I've kind of wrestled with that too, Patrick. Like, what does last year even mean? You know, the pandemic and so strange. There's no fans. And these, these players sacrificed so much uh, of their own 
personal and social lives and their family lives last year. I, I don't know what sensibilities we can apply to, to year one and year two, but I, I hate it. I do hate it for David Cutcliffe because he yeah. really is one of the best minds in all of football. All right, uh, more quick hit stuff here. Um, Oregon, Ohio State. Does this officially eliminate the Pac-12 from any sort of playoff conversation? <laughs> um, huge game for Clemson, uh, or the ACC champion, I guess. Um, I think if Oregon wins, I don't think the ACC is going to get a team in the playoff. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that's what that Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I think if Oregon can win this game, it gives them something out of their league where even if they were a one-loss Pac-12 champion, I think they would get in over Clemson. So if you're an ACC fan or a Clemson fan, you're rooting for Ohio State to take care of business here. Now, traditionally, they have. Um, you mentioned the Pac-12. They've been in the playoff twice and not since 2016, I believe, um, or 15, uh, when Washington made it. So yeah. yeah. It's it's difficult for the Pac-12 to, to make an impression. This is one of the chances that they get. Mario Cristobal is Oregon's coach. I can't knock the guy Puffle. Uh, he was at FIU, went to the <laughs> Nick, Sa- Nick Saban College Rehabilitation yeah. Coaches Clinic and ended up on that side after Willie Taggart ended up making the mistake of his life and leave, leaving Oregon after a year. Um, so, yeah, quick hit. Sorry, my bad. I actually like the Ducks in this game. Okay. Oh, all right. Interesting. Um, and then App State at Miami. Uh, will the Mountaineers, will the Nears be 2-0? and If you live. <laughs> um, no, based on my theory that Miami, I don't even know how poorly they played Alabama. I just kind of figured to do that to you. Yeah. But I think, uh, I think App comes down a little bit. I think Miami comes up and I just, Miami still has fast players. It's, it's actually a pretty good week, actually, if you're out to catch Miami, because who knows how tuned in they are. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I just think Miami has too much talent for them. All right, uh, game we're paying close attention to here in Greenville, obviously, South Carolina, East Carolina. Uh, do you think the Pirates have a better performance? And, it, it, you know, South Carolina, there just seems to be a little, still a little confusion over who might be the quarterback, how healthy Doty is. Will the, the former grad assistant still be behind center in this thing? Uh, and and you know, Harris is coming back at running back. I mean, the whole thing for South Carolina right now, it's, it's in a little bit of flux. Yeah, I would love to see Mike Houston get – I know it's only year three, but I'd love to see him get a uh, signature win at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. I mean, the, those are the kind of games, obviously, you and I remember uh, not only – Ruffin McNeil winning, but Skip Holtz winning, and, and, and Steve Logan, heck, go back there. And I, I just – that loss to App State kind of threw me threw me a little bit for the Pirates. Uh, but I do remember watching the Pirates in 18, the, the very lost year of 18, and thinking the, the real problem isn't the head coach, it's, it's the strength coach. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think you're seeing a lot of that still being manifested there in terms of being pushed around the way that they were by App State's run game, and um, I suspect South Carolina will try to do much of the same. I, I would love to see them, though. Uh, like I said, 
have one of those moments that are so special there at Dottie Ficklin Stadium. All right, I'm going to ask you one more quick one here because it just it intrigues me. It's also a noon game. Pitt and Tennessee, because to me this is a this is a big kind of understated SEC ACC matchup and a big game for Pitt in my mind. Yeah, I, Pitt's a strange team. They have 16 super seniors or something just bizarre like that. Uh, I like Kenny Pickett, um, but it just feels like another one of those situations where you see the ACC team take on the SEC team, and even if they're like this three-win, no-nothing, the, the SEC team seems to be the one that has the better athletes and, and wins the game. Hey, Joe, thanks a lot. Always great to catch up with you. All right, Patrick, thank you so much for your time and always having time for me. Appreciate you. Great to have Joe Giglio on today, 99.9 The Fan, WRELsportsfan.com. Great job Monday. I haven't seen you since Monday. It's been a while. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk about. There there has been. There's been a whole football game since then. There's been, I think, a whole football game. Yeah, four or five of them played uh, since then. Uh, we're, we're hearing forty to 45,000 are the ticket sales range right now, so close to a sellout at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. I know you're excited about that. You've probably never been in the building when it's been sold out, or at least I've a long time. I've never seen a sellout in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium since I've been here. You're so. just excited to see a lot of fans, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, I came in when the during the Scotty Mo era, and there was yeah. times where I was the only person in my section, so this is going to be exciting. All right, tomorrow, big announcement with our pregame show. You know, the standard bearer of ECU pregames. Pirate Game Day countdown for Bush Light. Tomorrow, major announcement. Don't tell anybody, Ben. Tomorrow. This this might be news to me. I'm excited now. All right. Tomorrow, major announcement on that. Uh, Plus, Eric Ward with ECU Sports Marketing. We'll be back tomorrow. Patrick Johnson Show.